to the Vagabond Way podcast. The journey goes ever on with The Long Road. This episode, it was Pete Seeger all along. Today, The Long Road discuss what instrumental avenues have yet to come to pass in their lives. Steve Bonham hankers for a folk instrument from North East England. Kev Moore's fork in the road choice back as a, a youngster. And Chris, the Bishop Leiden, that's me. I talk of my three-quarter blues instrument. Plus the usual solo entries from our particular brain pockets this week. The Vagabond Way podcast featuring The Long Road is exploring the world of the troubadour, the adventure of the vagabond. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's authentic, it's rich and it's real. If those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We are embracing all of those things, we're celebrating all of that, and we'd love it if you joined us on the journey. Greetings, I am Chris the Bishleiden, and somehow we're a third of the way through 2021 already, on to episode 63 of this podcast. What strange times we live in. Uh, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, don't forget to check out our new documentary, Rise of the Artisan, or The Long Road to Now. You can watch it on Facebook or YouTube, or just go to thelongroadband.net slash Rise of the Artisan. It follows us during our week of recording last autumn. Um, and the actually the videos for the songs that we were recording during the course of making that documentary um, for our Down Here at the Crossroads EP. Um, those videos are coming out in the next few weeks. The first one's already up, washed away. Uh, and you can find out more about these videos and those songs at thelongroadband.net slash crossroads. Also, some exciting news. Our companion book to our last album, American Wilderness Odyssey, is now available on Amazon Kindle. Just search for American Wilderness Odyssey on Amazon and you should see it there. It's a bargain at uh, £3.99 right now, or it's included in the um, Kindle Unlimited subscription. Um, or if you want to, you can buy the book directly from us at thelongroadband.net slash AWO, A-W-O, um, for... Yeah, it starts at just £10, or there's there's other packages where you get other things as well, so check that out. Um, you can find out more about the stories and the people behind all the songs on our last album, uh, and you get access to a free code for downloading all of the 15 tracks on that album. On to today's podcast hashtag content. I'm going to hand over to me. <laughs> the long road as we are together again in our digital forum for our weekly podcast chat hey steve at home in derbyshire hello steve guten abend guten abend yeah, yeah. Uh, well do you know why i i chose german chris uh not off the top of my head okay because we should I, on this day in history uh baron von richthofen the right. red baron was shot down in germany and, and killed and did you know that 63.5% of Americans believe he was shot down by a small dog called Snoopy? <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could believe that statistic quite happily. Yeah, it was quite on happily. this day, over the Somme. There, no oh, yeah. more Red Baron. Uh, and so that's that's Steve's little se um, introduction there. Hello, Steve. And then we've got Kev, who's back at home in Spain. Hello, Kev. Shana tova. Uh, so, say that one more time. Shana tova. Hmm. Steve, any ideas what that is? Yiddish. Oh, Yiddish. Yeah. Yes, it's it's actually um, it's Israeli for uh, it's Jewish for Happy New Year. There we are. Ah. Ah. Yeah. 
Not that I, you know, it probably isn't, but you know, no harm, no harm in wishing people well, you know. Exactly. Better, better to be saying I hope things are good rather than I hope you're having a terrible time. You yeah. know? I'm a fan of you know um, arbitrary moments in time and New Year. Whenever it, whenever people celebrate it, can be whenever people like. Okay. So happy New Year for this year that just started the second ago. Why not? So today we are um, we're gathering to talk some nonsense as as we always do. Um, perhaps some more serious nonsense some days. Today perhaps some more silly nonsense. Um, so we thought we'd talk about. I mean, actually between us. Thinking about it, I mean, when we turn up to a gig, the number of instruments we bring to a gig is slightly ridiculous. You'd think for the three of a trio turning up on stage, arriving with something like 12 instruments or whatever would be a bit outrageous. But today we're going to talk about what instruments we don't play and what instruments we would like to play if we'd ever had the inclination or the time. I mean, Steve, this is this is a a thing that you brought up. So perhaps you're going to start us off today with what's what's your instrument that you don't play that you want to play? There are uh, those out there who would say guitar straight away, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And they would be very mean, mean in doing so. Uh, They're not welcome in this this podcast. Do you know, on a serious level, uh, uh, there's a number of things. What one is uh, the, the Northumbrian pipes? Yes, I was yeah. always sort of hankered. No, because they're really interesting. They're, they're an English bagpipe, and they're kind of they've closed. So the let me get this right: the more fingers you put on, the higher the note yeah. gets. Yeah, that's they're right. Closed. So the more fingers you put on, the higher the notes. Yeah. Whereas on most whistles and bagpipes, you take your fingers off. For the note to go up, but on the Thumbria pipes, you put them on, yes. they go up. Yes, yeah, I get if that. You, yes. Do you? That That's is very, true, yeah. That would blow my mind, actually. <laughs> I'm just trying to process. I can't even begin to process. Let me give that a second. So, transport myself back to being a five-year-old at primary school playing recorder. Mm. So, when I was playing recorder, when you're playing recorder, yeah. you take you your, take, your fingers yeah. off, yeah. off to, to get higher. Up. Yes. Yeah. But on a on these, you put your fingers down to go higher. Yes. I'm sorry, I can't. That would not. I, not I don't think I could get on board with that. It no. is the final frontier of uh, musicianship, I think. Wow. So, what what is it that's attracted you to the Northumbrian pipes, apart from that sort of weird fact about how you play them? They're much smaller than quieter than bagpipes. Would be. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's a good a reason as any, Steve. Yeah, yeah. and in bagpipes, I have a, a more ambivalent relationship with. I do like to hear, you know, the uh, bagpiper up on the hill. You know, in on the mountains, well, as far as far away as possible. The distance being important yeah, from another yes. mountain. I have flirted gamely uh, with the, the banjo over the years, but you confiscated it, and I've not seen it for a year. So, <laughs> well done, Bish. Well done. <laughs> that, that, that is true. Yeah, your accidental banjo purchase, I borrowed for a, borrowed for a friend of mine, um, and and to be fair. It did spark him into getting his own banjo oh, uh, and learning le- and learning the banjo, and he now plays the banjo. So you are. have achieved some. You have achieved something. Uh, interesting fact about banjos. I mean, on an interesting fact today, it probably should have become the standard folk instrument for Americans, mm. not, not the guitar. It was much more played for a long time. It was only yeah. in the '60s that you know. Mm. And if you look at that, the old guys, you know, like. Um, what was his name? I can't remember his name now. Died recently. Anyway, he played banjo. You know, he didn't play the... Uh, his name will come to me and I'll add it later. Yes, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll yeah. AD, ADR that in. That'll be fine. We'll drop it uh, in. What was his name? Yeah. We'll have a jingle for him. 
Is it Tom Paxton? No, not Tom Paxton, but he did as well. Yeah. Tall guy. Uh, and people out there are screaming at the radio now. Um, <laughs> tall guy. It was actually connected to him on Twitter. Oh. Anyway, I'll go away quietly whilst Kev answers the question. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll come back quickly when you're not ready. All right? Okay. Yes, right. fine. So Banjo and Northumbrian Pipes are Steve's entries into that particular yeah. thing. Yeah. Kev, what, what, what about you? Well, what don't you play that you think you should? For me, uh, well, firstly, I, do, I wish I could play the piano better. Um, I'm, I can do plonky stuff when I'm writing songs. Um, but the main one, and the, uh, I briefly, there was, a, there was a, a crossroads in my musical life where it nearly happened. And it was when I was working in a town called Drammen near Oslo in Norway. And I got offered mm. a saxophone. Mm. And I, I'd always wanted to play one. And it was a choice between buying this saxophone and a rather beautiful Hagstrom semi-acoustic bass. Um, and I and I went with the bass. I was already playing bass, obviously, but because um, we we used to do horrific um, disco stuff in this band in, in Scandinavia, and I thought I could actually play, you know, some sort of uh, basic one note sax lines to augment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we were a six piece band and we interchanged instruments anyway, so somebody could have gone mm. to bass. Uh, and I was very close to getting it, and I. And I never did, but I, I I love the sound of a really good saxophone, and and it's one thing I wish I could put on my own demos quite often. Um, but the good thing yeah. is my my daughter took it up and learned to play sax, so mm. so that was good. Sax is one of those funny things. Like I, Steve will tell you, I've got a sort of a long and varied history with sax with saxophones because mm. I think there are I think to play them well, they are incredibly hard. Yeah. One of the one of the best things that happened in 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 rock, though I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, ZZ Top brought out an album called Deguello, and for this album project, all three of them, because for those who don't know, they're three piece rock trio from Texas, um, and for this album, they each learned uh, baritone sax, soprano sax, and alto sax, and formed oh, their wow. own, formed their own horn section for their own album. Which I thought oh, was wow! No, I didn't know that. I thought that was that amazing. Cool. That was impressive. You know, Kev, it's never too late. It's never too late. Never no, too late. I, and I actually don't. I don't discount it. What's your instrument, Bish, that you wish you could play? See, that's, it's interesting. I mean, because I hadn't thought about this at all, really, until Steve suggested. You know, twenty minutes ago, whatever it is, we started <laughs> chatting about this. Um, and I get. I mean, because because I started piano when I was little, and that was always that was always on the cards because my older siblings always played piano, so that was always going to happen, really. But I had this fabulously. Um, Awkward relationship with it because I actually hated having lessons, but I wanted to play it. So it was that sort of, uh, I want to do this, but I don't want to do it your way kind of thing. Yeah. And then, you know, took up bra- took up cornet when I was little, transferred to tuba when I was a bit bigger. Um, and actually, over the years, I've played all kinds of brass instruments. I have, you know, I have performed on stage, uh, performed at Glastonbury playing trumpet. Excellent. Yes. Wow. Performed, performed at Glastonbury playing trombone, I think. Yeah. Performed, uh, you know, performed playing euphonium, tuba. One of my highlights at Glastonbury was was performing on Stylophone. There is a wonderful video going around on the internet where somebody using two Stylophones has recreated Eddie Van Halen's solo from uh, the track Eruption, and it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I have seen that video. That is incredible. Mm. So so I I get over the years, I've played all kinds of things, but the, the one sort of instrument I've never played really is, and it's a, it's, a, it's a boring answer really, is guitar. Um, I can, at, at, back at school, somebody showed me how I could play, a, a, an, I guess it must have been an E7 chord, 
maybe in, started with an E minor seven chord. Just mm. one finger. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> one finger there down. And they said, if you put a second one down, you can get an E7. It's like, well, there we are. We're halfway to rock and roll. Let's keep on going. <laughs> um, so two two fingers get you an E7. And then he showed me how to get an A7. Mm-hmm. Would it be an A7? Yeah, yeah it's two fingers. An, an A7. Um, and I thought, well, here we are. I'm three, I'm three quarters of the way to being able to play the blues here. And that's where I stopped yeah. playing guitar. I would have left um, you with a B7, so that's... It's probably yeah, a well, exactly. convoluted That's, chord on a guitar, yeah. Yeah, that, that that is when that is when he said to me, "Yeah, now the next one, let's not let's not think about a B seven because it's it's not worth the effort." Um, so we, we stopped there. A bridge, it's a, a capo on. It, without yeah, without yes. wanting to labour a pun, it's a bridge too far, isn't it? Yeah, yes. oh, um, yeah. I mean, it's great. All these, instruments. I love I love the different sounds. I mean, I my my starting instrument, and I still even at this great age. I think one day I'm going to return to it. It was a trumpet. Yeah. You know, yeah, I absolutely. played the trumpet and I was good at it as a kid, you know. Somewhere, Steve, you do have a trumpet still. Okay, it's plastic. I do. I have a lovely one. It's a lovely one. My daughter bought me and I, I, yeah. I will do it. I will do so, it. So basically also, our, yeah, our, alternative, yeah. our alternative trio is um, a, a, a rather <laughs> limited guitar Northumbrian <laughs> pipes and a saxophone. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do Let's it. Do it. Let's I think do there's it. legs in that. Yeah. I think there's legs I in it. I think yeah. we should commit now for the three, the fifth album after the one we're doing at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The, the three quarter blues with <laughs> guitar, saxophone, and Northumbrian, Northumbrian pipes. Pete Seeger, by the way. It was Pete, oh, right, Seeger. Yes, Pete Seeger. It was Pete Seeger, everybody. <laughs> Pete Seeger. Don't turn me off before I've said Pete Seeger. <laughs> Please. That, that, hey, that, Pete that, Seeger. That Why don't you have like an announcement? You a big an tall guy with a banjo. At the end, at the end, you can have an announcement. The episode that featured the unknown folk banjo player today, <laughs> the name of the banjo player was. Pete Seeger. That's Pete Seeger. <laughs> Pete Seeger. I think the name of the episode might have to be Pete Seeger. Pete Seeger, Pete Seeger, yeah. Pete Seeger yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I had quite a reflective evening before I sat down to do my piece for the podcast. I tempted to clear up, it's, it's uh, tidy up, it's, it's always bad news for me. Uh, the, the more I need to tidy, the more distracted and, and reflective I, I tend to get. And on this occasion, I, uh, I picked up my dad's old guitar from behind the settee and thought, I really must do something with this. Now, it's it's not a good guitar, and it's kind of strange that I've still got it. Um, I've got lots of guitars, beautiful Martins and handmade ones and National Steels. And this is a flimsy old thing, but it was my dad's. Now, you didn't know my dad, but if you did know him at all, you would immediately think, I never knew that Terry Carter ever played the guitar. And you would be right, because I don't think he ever played it in public at all. My dad was supremely and quite beautifully 
magnificently indeed, non-musical. My mother rather harshly used to say, this is a man born to sing on the black notes of the piano. Anyway, I, I think he must have always hankered after after being a musician, because we had a piano in the house, which he, he didn't play much either. But here my mum, sometime in my childhood, took up the guitar. I think she was probably trying to teach him. And me as a little boy would lie in my bed at night to hearing them work their way through tune a day for a guitar number one. Great classics like Salito Lindo or Skip to My Lou. With my mother singing, my dad kind of muttering and plucking on the strings. Well, he died some time ago and in clearing out the house, I found it without strings, but didn't have the heart to throw it away. It, it's a nylon strong guitar, which was never much use to me anyway, and I knew it wasn't expensive. But it just came one of those things that you hung on to in order not to make a decision. And so I sat down with it tonight by the fire, and I looked at it, and... It just said, look after me. So I, so I got some polish out and I thought to myself, I'll restring this and, and I'll see what it sounds like. So I cleaned it up a bit. And then as I looked more carefully, I realised that it was in a very bad state of repair. And one thing leads to another and I find myself on the internet looking up how to mend cracks in guitars how to replace the nut on the neck and what to do about broken machine heads. Which then led on again to a internet surfing competition finding out where all these pieces might be found and one thing leads to another. And now I await a cowbone nut, um, some tight bound or tight bond glue and some brand new squeaky new machine heads and I'll put this together and dear listener sometime in the future maybe I'll even play it to you and then one thing leads to another and I looked inside and saw there was a label B&M Espana now I wasn't sure what the mate was so it came back to the surfing on the internet back onto the old wobbly board and I found out there was a musical importer called Barnes and Mullen who brought in instruments from all over the world and had been doing so since 1891. And in the corner of their website, rather strangely, was a picture of an old steamship called the Empress of Ireland. And a little piece underneath which said, that had been sunk in a disastrous collision in 1914 with a Norwegian coal ship on the St Lawrence Seaway heading out into the Atlantic. I'm reading further that one Albert Mullin of Barnes and Mullin, part of the then famous banjo duo Barnes and Mullin, had lost his life on that. <laughs> 
It was disaster to equal that of the Titanic. But somehow history has moved on and forgotten about it. But there it was, in the middle of the 60-year-old, cheap old guitar, waiting to be discovered, if anything proves my oft-asserted line that every guitar is full of songs just waiting to be found and thereby stories to be recovered. This is it. A song awaits. Perhaps I shall write it on this guitar. So whilst we await the uh, the song to be discovered from Steve's soon-to-be-resurrected cheap old guitar, here is uh, another that Steve stumbled upon uh, from one of his other guitars. Um, this is called Lady of Gold, and it was recorded somewhere out in the wilderness. <laughs> Because we have a, a few minutes still, I'm going to play in one of the Long Roads songs, uh, which has two connections with what we've just heard. One, a rather flimsy connection, uh, and one a little bit less flimsy. Um, so this is a song that Steve found I- in one of his guitars one day, whilst uh, staying with um, our friend Rob McHale in North Carolina, USA. Um, and this song just happens to have the word gold in the title as well. Uh, So here is Looking for Love, Looking for Gold from Steve Bonham and The Long Road. The old dog in the stars Finds his way to Mars I'm thinking of you Staring at blue in the gilded fall, copper and bronze, the hint of a song back once and for all. In, out and through, let's find what's true. 
only son of the road I carry my own load My fate is my own All the people I've known That curse were named Hope to stumble and slide Tagged along for the ride Just part of the game everyone out there in internet land and welcome once again to Kev's Cafe Corner where we've discussed everything from coffee and cake to collectible vinyl. But in recent weeks, if you're a regular listener, you'll know that I've been virtually revisiting my 600km trek across northern Spain to the ancient city of Santiago de Compostela and last week you found me resting up in the Atlantic harbour town of Luarca. I awoke on Sunday, October the 18th, and following breakfast in the hotel, I endured a really tough walk out of town up an inordinate amount of steps. It was so gruelling that the last 20 kilometres seemed relatively easy. I stopped for lunch, which I'd bought in the supermarket the day before. A baguette, tomatoes and cheese and ham. And I stopped at a beautiful pilgrim's garden that sat in the shadow of a huge motorway bridge, a giant dark monolith that seemed to scream, modern life is bad, into the ether. The motorway was like a dark snake that relentlessly followed my journey, reminding me of the world outside the Camino. 
But the Pilgrim's Garden was an antidote to that. It had been created with love and was a perfect place to rest and recuperate. There was so much colour and beauty in the countryside. Farm trailers filled with bright yellow corn, multicoloured washing dancing in the breeze from a farmhouse balcony and even hay bales wrapped in bright pink plastic gleaming against the baby blue sky. I started seeing pumpkins at this point. No, I wasn't hallucinating. They were everywhere and absolutely huge. The last time I'd seen so many was in Salem, Massachusetts, and they were most likely plastic. These were the real deal. I had another couple of stops along the way, once at a cafe and once at a train stop shelter. It was too small to qualify as a station. I also saw Lily the dog and her owner once again. And I passed a beautiful quaint old albergue that was all boarded up due to Covid. It was so sad to see them like this. As I approached Navia, I could see it was dwarfed by a large two-span bridge across the river, but the, the town itself didn't look especially attractive. I made it to the albergue about 1730, and I was greeted by Aurelio, a genial host with lots of info about the Camino. He patiently and carefully explained the door lock system and how one button on the keypad would call him on his phone, even if he wasn't there, to let people in and out. I had a shower, settled in and booked my bed for tomorrow in Ribadeo, which was 30 kilometres away. I had a lovely chat around the dinner table with him and Rebecca, a nice German girl who'd seemingly been cycling for the whole year from Germany. The albergue in Navia was clean and modern and I spent a restful night there. Monday, October the 19th, I started the day with coffee and porridge, courtesy of Rebecca, and made my way out of town, eventually realising after about a kilometre that I'd left my staff back at the albergue. Calamity! It may seem crazy, but I had to go back for it. It was a part of me now. There'd only been me and Rebecca there, and she was getting ready to leave on her bike. I hoped I could get there in time. I arrived back at the albergue, and there was no sign of her bike. She'd gone. Then I remembered Aurelio's info, the button on the door that rang his phone. I pressed it, and a sleepy voice it was about 7.30am, said, Yes, Kevin. For a moment I thought, how the hell does he know it's me? Then I saw the camera. He buzzed me in as I explained the situation and he wished me buen camino and hopefully he managed to get back to sleep. All being well, today will be my last day in the province of Asturias, providing I complete the 33 kilometres to Ribadeo. I shall miss it. It's a beautiful place. Next time, Aurelio gets his revenge for me waking him up. See you later. Another step on the road to food perfection this week for the Bishop's Daily Bread. One of those holy grail items for this week's kitchen exploit, the humble cheese scone. Uh, now, there's part of me that thinks this challenge will be one that goes with me for the rest of my days, finding the perfect cheese scone. Perhaps there is no such thing as the perfect cheese scone. But boy, oh boy, do I enjoy making absolutely sure. Um, a good chunk of what I'm looking for is actually just nostalgia, I've realised. Um, 
isn't it always with these baking segments? Um, I think a memory of, you know, a, a National Trust property cafe as a child on a day trip or a holiday with family and grandparents. Um, the main point of a National Trust property, as far as I could see, and actually still can see, is uh, the cafe for a nice scone. You know, a proper cheese scone, still warm from the oven. But the really tricky thing is getting it cheesy enough without it being just overpowering and sort of claggy, um, you know, a trick I have fallen into many times when making my own cheese scones. And then the butter to go on top is so integral. Um, here, I fear, I would argue, one cannot put too much butter on. Um, it's a trait I take from my dad who had used many food items over the years as an excuse for more butter than needed. The scone itself, flaky, crumbly even, but not too much, lest it fall apart in your hands. And it needs to be light, not dense and heavy, and it, it's got to be fresh. You know, I find that even after a day, they become heavier and denser. Now, in the recipe I used this week, uh, I can't remember whose it was, actually. Um, perhaps it wasn't even one of the sort of big names. It wasn't a, maybe it wasn't a Delia or a Mary or a Nigella, or even a Jamie or a Paul, um... I just remember it was labelled very cheesy scones, which was exactly what I wanted. Um, now, essentially, I've learned with a scone to get it light is handle it as little as possible, almost to the point of it being looking like visually a disaster. Um, now, I always use a food processor these days. Mixing the butter into the flour with one's fingers, it just does nothing for me. Um, and I suppose it's cheating using a processor, but I expect... Mary, Delia and Nigella, they'd all allow it, so I'm going to forgive myself. Um, now, the other constituents all vary fairly wildly, as far as I can see. Baking powder or plain flour or um, self-raising flour and baking powder, both. I mean, uh, I don't get it. Um, water or milk or, as I used this week, a combination of milk and buttermilk. Um, salt and pepper, not in this recipe, I don't think, but seemingly vital to me. Uh, some a dash of cayenne pepper or a Half teaspoon of mustard powder. It's not to my liking, the mustard powder. It's not one of my things. Um, the cheese combo. Mostly cheddar, in my case. But I also had some Gruyere, however you say it, in the fridge. Uh, and some Parmesan, so in they went as well. Now, a younger me, a more foolish me, would have put double what the recipe says for cheese quantity. But I know this now to be foolhardy. Uh, I, I still tend to oversubscribe the cheese um, but only by about 25 percent here um, so now whatever the ingredients bring it together but barely roll it out but barely um, and in fact with a, a sneaky second smaller batch i made later in the week i didn't even bother with the rolling i just sort of pressed it down with my hands um, and with your circular scone cutter apparently straight up and down no twisting is the way to do it this combined with the making sure your glaze, your milk, your egg, your whatever on top, is just on top and not on the sides. This makes sure that your scones will rise straight up evenly, apparently. Um, a sprinkle of cheese, um, of the cheese combo on top, and then 12 to 15 minutes in the oven, and boom, delicious, fresh cheese scones. Actually, really quite easy. Uh, but do they hit that nostalgia spot I'm looking for? Do they evoke that National Trust cafe moment? Um, and I think if you get to eat one of these with the right butter within, you know, say an hour of them coming out of the oven at the right time of day, you know, mid-afternoon, mid-afternoon sun, that would be delicious. 
you're almost certainly on to a winner. So savour that moment, that p- perfect cheese scone. You know, because even just the next day, the hit won't be quite as perfect. Um, but that doesn't stop me from searching for it again and again, a little further down the road. But one thing I have learned from all my cheese scone attempts over the years is there is such a thing as too much cheese. <laughs> that's it for this week thank you for listening wherever in the world you are don't forget to subscribe to the podcast we're on apple podcasts soundcloud spotify amazon podcasts and now youtube as well the next episode will be out next friday join us on youtube for the transatlantic connection show and become part of the transatlantic connection movement head to youtube.com slash the long road band if you fancy buying us a coffee you now can at buymeacoffee.com slash the long road band it's dead simple to just drop us a few quid to support what we do it even accepts apple pay and google pay super easy uh, all of our music and merch is on Bandcamp, where you can help support a positive ecosystem for the music industry download streaming vinyls cds the companion book it's all there the long road band bandcamp.com we're on patreon at patreon.com slash the vagabond way big thank you to our patreons and a special shout out to all of lynn james lyden Stuart lyden yvette lyden and trish taylor thank you for your ongoing support if you'd like to support us become a vagabonder you'll get free digital stuff and merchandise in the post if you want it help us create something different something that entertains and something that inspires others so join us on the journey and release the vagabond within patreon.com slash the vagabond way Thank you once again, brave adventurers, vagabonds and explorers, for joining us on the Vagabond Way. Remember, the world isn't beige. It's authentic, it's rich, and it's real. Embrace every last bit of it. Until next time, the journey goes ever on with The Long Road. Bye for now. (laughs) 